Oh, man. Good morning, everybody. Oh, how many of you know it's good to be in the house of the Lord? How many of you know it's better to be the house of the Lord? <laughs> Let's go. In the Old Testament, they had to go up into the house. God wasn't happy with that. He made you his house. And he came and habitates within you right now. Right now. He's here. Let's go. It's the new covenant. It's the greater glory. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Okay, I'm getting a little amped up. i got to calm down for a minute. <laughs> I forget that. Let's not get calmed down. Let's go. Does anybody have pain in their body? Let's just start with this. Raise your hand. If you have pain in your body, we just want to pray for you real quick. So everybody look around. Hey, there's no superstars in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is as much in you. If you're a believer, if you've received Jesus, he's as much in you as he is in me. As a, you've seen somebody on TV, big name preachers. You didn't get a percentage of Jesus. You got the fullness of Jesus, right? Come on. It says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you right now. Right now. That's amazing. Let's go. So pain in your body, raise your hands. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do body ministry, okay? And I'm going to have this team come around and pray for people. So team, go find somebody. Look around. Keep those hands up until somebody is going to pray for you, okay? And you guys, if you don't have your hands up, turn and begin to lay hands on them. I'm going to teach you how to do healing out in the streets. This is the easiest thing, okay? What you do is you go up to somebody and say, hey, can I pray for you for something? And they say, yes, my back hurts. Okay, find out what hurts. The first thing you do, find out what hurts. And you say, can I lay my hands on you? still see some hands up. Once you get somebody praying for you, put your hands down so we know you're, you're taken care of. Okay. Now everybody repeat after me. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Pain leave right now and never return. Life come as it is in heaven. Be in this body right now be healed amen okay now what you do on the streets or in a church is you say hey on a scale of one to ten ten was how bad it was hurting when we started one is there's no pain in your body check it out and tell me how you feel right now and what they do is they check it out so if you had pain in your body check i want you to check it out move it around See if anything's changed. Listen, this is fun. You can do this in a grocery store. I tell you what, when the lady in line who's checking your, your groceries out gets healed and she gets on the intercom and says, I don't know what just happened. Jesus healed me. Like, it's fun stuff. So it's normal. This is normal Christianity. Okay. If you feel like Jesus just touched your body and all the pain left, I want you to stand up or raise your hand. Oh, we got one right here. Come on. Come on. Look, we got some others. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. What, what happened? Can I ask you or you, can you share? 
That's a good way of putting it. Come on. Wow. Wow. Come on. Come on. So somebody laid hands on this lady, and she just felt something happen <laughs> and got healed. Praise God. Anybody else just get something? You feel like you just got healed, the pain left? Better? We got a better? How many of you feel better? Oh, we got somebody over here. All right, let's go. Can you tell me what happened? Fibromyalgia. Wow. Let's go. Let's go. How many of you know? Let's go. When you're aching and aching stops, how many of you know that's incredible, right? Like, that's awesome. Hey, stretch out your hands to her. What's your name? Lori? Okay. Lori, I'm just going to pray for you, okay? Leave and never come back. The Father loves you. He loves you. There's no fibromyalgia in heaven because he hates it. It's not his friend. What's in heaven is life and life abundant. Be healed in Jesus right, right, right now. Kingdom come. In this body, Father, fill her with your love more. As the Father loves his Son, he loves you. Wow, let that great love come right now. Be filled with Holy Spirit more, more. Whoa, yeah, there he is. <laughs> come on, more. And we just say that that spirit of depression or fear, anxiety, leave right now, and we just release hope. Hope over her mind, hope over her family, hope over her future right now, right now. Kingdom come. In Jesus' mighty name. Yeah, amen. Amen. You're welcome. Amen. Come on. Even in worship, my son turned to me and said, man, we sang something and my ear popped open. I can hear it. It was all clogged up. And, and he said, I think I just got healed of something, so. That's awesome. Man, love it. Anybody else? Anybody else feel like you got touched by the Lord just then? Yeah? Okay, let me ask this. How many of you feel like you got a partial healing or didn't get healed at all that time? Raise your hand. No shame in it. Okay. Partial or not at all? Partial. Okay, this is what you do when something happens where you get a partial healing. You go, thank you, Jesus. Because, you know, 50% is better than 100% pain, right? <laughs> thank you. Thank you, God. When you're on a 10 of a migraine and you get down to a 5, praise God. There was a man in Scripture that, that Jesus went to his hometown and there was a blind man. He took him out of his town and he ministered to him and he prayed for him. And then he checked with him just like we're doing. He said, tell me what you see. And you guys remember what he said. He said, I see people walking around like trees. They were blurry. They got a, he got a 50% healing from Jesus. That's exciting to me because Jesus did something in this moment. He didn't stop at 50%, did he? He stepped back in and he ministered to him again. He said, be healed in Jesus' name. Right? Well, he didn't say his own name. But he said, be healed. <laughs> he said, be healed. And what happened? The man got completely healed. So just because you didn't get it this time doesn't mean it's not supposed to happen. Right? So let's just step back in. Listen, I was in a church once where there was a lady with arthritis in her feet so bad, they carried her up to the stage. 
She couldn't walk. We laid hands on her feet six times. We just kept going back. It doesn't have to be long, drawn-out prayers. You don't have to, like, go into the Old Testament and anything. You just command it. How did Jesus minister healing to people? He told them, be healed. Right? He didn't have to go into everything else. He spoke it as if he had authority. Be healed. Get up. Fever leave. Right? So what we did with this lady, we, I had her hands in my, her feet in my hands. Yeah, that's the way it was. Uh, I have not had coffee this morning, so stuff comes out backwards. It's not my fault. <laughs> uh, and her feet were all swollen. She was in a lot of pain. We prayed. Nothing happened. I said, did you feel anything? No, I didn't feel anything. Prayed again prayed again we just kept saying can we do it again just hang in there just hang in there she said no i didn't feel any fifth time she said i think it feels a little less painful i said can we do it again she said yeah prayed one more time and we all watched with our naked eyes the swelling disappear out of her feet why did it take so long i don't know Sometimes we just need to marinate in the love of God. You know what? Sometimes it takes you grabbing a hold of somebody and going, I love you, and I'm going to be here with you. We're going to keep going. It's not a gimmick. It's not a thing. Oh, you got healed just so we can get you in church. No, Jesus never healed anybody uh, to get something from them. He healed them because he loved them. Do you know that? It wasn't a parlor trick. It was the love of the Father coming to touch broken people. You see, what moved people to Jesus, that's what we call faith. But that's not what moved Jesus to people. Do you know what that was? Yeah, compassion. What moves heaven is not your faith, it's love. Love is the currency. It's literally the word compassion, and that word means to suffer with you. Have you ever thought of Jesus suffering with your headache? Like it so moves his heart. He goes, I got, listen, Jesus' ministry was healing and deliverance. Multitudes followed him, not because he was a great teacher. Nobody really understood what he said. <laughs> not even his crew. He would turn to his crew that followed him and be like, I'm going to give you the explanation. And they'd still be like, okay, <laughs> I don't understand. They followed him because wherever he went, he messed up every funeral he ever went to, even his own. Never did one sick person come to him and not get healed. Not once. He kicked out every demon he ever encountered. He did it. He was the most hopeful, joyful. But you know what? His enemies, this is, a, this is kind of a conviction to me. <laughs> I, was, I was reading the scriptures one day and the Holy Spirit was like, you realize Jesus' enemies in the scripture knew he wanted to heal more than what the church today does. They would set up traps around sick people to catch them because they knew, oh, if it's the Sabbath day, you can't heal on the Sabbath day, and Jesus can't resist on the Sabbath day. Oh, here comes a sick person on the Sabbath day. His enemies were more convinced of his desire to heal than people who claim to be his followers today. That's, that pierces my heart, right? He, he couldn't resist it. So what we do, we just hold on to people and love them. And let that compassion begin to saturate your heart until it moves you. So, we're going to get back to praying again, I promise.
So on the sixth time, she gets completely healed. This is like an 80-year-old lady. She jumps up and takes off Jericho running around the church shouting, Jesus healed me, Jesus healed me, Jesus healed me. Right? It's amazing. Here's another one quick more healing testimony. I was preaching at my grandfather's funeral, and a woman who had a debilitating disease came in, and the last time I saw her, she could walk fine. This time she had the crutches, and she came in, the ones that wrap around your arms, and she came in, could barely walk. So I finished preaching the sermon, the funeral, and I come up. Is this for me? Coffee. It's coffee. <laughs> the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living right there. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, man, this is tricky. And that's hot. All right. So, uh, I see her walk in, and I had just gotten into healing at this point. How many know we go through stages? Like, we realize Jesus heals, but most of us think he wouldn't heal me. But then you get into the Gospels and you realize, if I was in the, in the crowd, he'd have healed me. Because he's the same, what? Yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same Jesus right now. But I was believing a lie. So... At this point, she walks in the room, and I see her, and this compassion hits my heart that I'm not used to. Because I'm a good Christian, I think healings are for testimonies, not to love people. <laughs> Sorry. But this time, this compassion jumps up on me. It's like, I looked at her, and I thought, this thought, that's not right. That's a child of the king suffering, and it bothered me. So I went up to her right after the funeral, and I said, Gretchen... Can I pray for you? And she was like 65 at the time. And she's a good Christian. <laughs> so she answered me like every good Christian does. And what a good Christian say? Yes, you can pray for me. I said, okay. I laid hands on her. Because that's what I see Jesus doing in scriptures. Is, is he lays hands on people most of the time. And I said, be healed in Jesus' name. Sickness go. Pain leave your body. And I stopped. I said, Gretchen, did you feel anything? And she said, no. No, I didn't. Well, we don't walk by sight anyways. I'm just checking out to see what they can feel. It doesn't matter what they feel or not. So I step in and say, can we pray again? And she said, yeah, okay. Pray again. I say, Gretchen, do you feel anything? No, I didn't feel anything. Can I pray again? She goes, no. Uh, you know what, Jimmy? I think... God is letting me have this so that it will take me to heaven faster. And I said, Gretchen, that sounds like really good religion. But that doesn't sound like Jesus at all. And she stopped and she looked at me and said, what? And I said, did you ever read in the Gospels where Jesus looked at somebody? He's going through the line, comes up to somebody and says, I'm not going to heal you because you get to go to heaven quicker than everybody. Praise God. Right? Right? That's like religiousness that comes into the church that has no attachment to the Jesus of the Gospels. Right? And it stunned her. And I said, watch your body when you go home. You're going to be healed. I don't know. It just jumped out of my mouth. I don't suggest saying that all the time. But it just was like, whoop. And once it's out, you're like, well, <laughs> Jesus, you got to do something. So it's like a month later. And I call my mom, and I'm like, hey, how's Gretchen doing? She's like, oh, she's doing great, amazing. I said, really? Well, is she still sick? No, no, she got completely healed. And I'm like, now, 
me being the prideful man I am, I thought somebody else came in and prayed for her, and I was just really lame. So I was like, well, that's cool, but man, I suck. I said, what happened? She said, you don't know? I said, no. She said, well, when you told her, watch your body, you're going to be healed, she went home, and that night she laid on the bed. And when she did, the pain increased in her body, and she couldn't move her legs at all. And she said to herself, I guess this is it. I'm done walking. I'm going to die soon. And right then she heard the voice of the Lord say, Gretchen, I want you to live, but you don't want to live anymore. And it st she st was stunned. And she said, what? And she heard it again. Gretchen, I want you to live, but you don't want to live anymore. And she said, it broke her heart. She began to weep and she said, God, I repent. I want what you want for me. And right then she could hear me praying for her again. And she felt the presence of the Lord come flooding over her body. All the pain left her body. And she turned as she got out of the bed. Strength entered her legs. And by the time she reached her door, she was dancing down the hallway to her husband. Who the last time he saw her was she could barely walk. And now she's dancing and he's going, what happened to you? <laughs> right? So I, I tell you that story to say, one... It wasn't God withholding healing. She wasn't receiving healing at that point, was she? She was expecting God was making her sick for some mysterious good. And we got to nip that in the bud. Jesus never went around breaking people's legs to get more glory for God. Jesus is the perfect image of the Father. There is no shadow of change between the two of them. So we can confidently this morning come to Jesus and expect to get the same thing, okay? He loves you. He's not making you sick so that your doctor will get saved. He's not trying to work. He'll do all those things. Listen, he'll take the worst area of your life and bring glory out of it. That doesn't mean that was his purpose, right? It says... For all things, he'll work all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. It doesn't say he's doing it. It says it doesn't matter what happens, he will work it to your good. But the enemy, he comes in and tries to convince you he's like the Father. Oh, the Father wants you to be sick. Right? So let's just get rid of that. We're going to pray again. If you still have pain in your body, I have good news for you. God's not done. If it's not good, he's not done yet. Right? That's our great hope. So if you still have pain in your body, raise your hand again. We're going to pray one more time. Right? And then we'll actually get to the message. <laughs> Jesus, we love you. We honor you. Be healed. All pain go right now. Right now. Right now. Arthritis go right now. Old injuries. I see somebody was injured. I don't know, an accident of some kind, and I just see a spinal cord aligning and pain going right now. Never return. It's not the will of God for you to suffer under that any longer. Be healed. Hips, be restored. Yeah. Headaches go. He even cares about those. Headaches go. Never return. I just see somebody with migraines, recurring migraines. There's no recurring migraines in heaven. God hates them. They're not his friend. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. Be healed. Kingdom come. Kingdom come. Yeah, just wait there for a second. I just feel like he's moving on some people right now.
anxiety come under the lordship of the king of peace right now? Anxiety. Leave. Peace come. In Jesus' mighty name, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Yeah, amen. All right, check it out. Make it hurt. Try to do something you couldn't do before. <laughs> All right, how many of you feel like you got touched that time? Something changed, something's different. Anybody raise your hand? All right, we got something over here. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Now there's a secret in the kingdom. You can only keep in the kingdom what you give away. <laughs> so if you just experience Jesus as healer, go give him away. Give him away. Give it away to anybody you can. Don't worry about praying the perfect prayer. Just do what Jesus did, okay? Come on. More. Now just stretch out your hands over here. Be healed right now. He loves you. He loves you. Yeah. Come on. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. And I just ask for my friends that were just being touched by the Lord, that you would just continue through this whole day and into the night, that they would see you, that they would hear you, that they would experience you. Yeah, right now, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, so this morning I got to preach at Shiloh the Shiloh Church down the road, and it was a lot of fun. And before I went in, I, I just had this picture of a boat, and I remembered this old story uh, about a family that was coming from England to the United States, and they bought tickets, but they were very poor. They bought tickets, and they gathered up as much food as they possibly could, and they got on the boat, and they got in the room, and they didn't leave their room, and it's like a month voyage over. And so they're eating, and about halfway over the ocean they start running out of food. And like any good father, he starts to worry. <laughs> Uh-oh, we're out of food. And that goes a day without food. So he has to go find the captain. And he goes and finds the captain and says, Hey, can, can we get some bread or crackers? My family's starving. We just ran out of food. We spent everything we could to get in here. And he goes, You haven't been eating at the meals? And he said, no, we, could, uh, we only got the ticket to get on. We didn't have the money for the food. And he said, man, the, money, the ticket includes the meals. It includes the meals. And the father was like, what? <laughs> so he goes and gets his family, and they come up, and they, they begin to eat the rest of the time. But uh, the point is, the whole time they, they were living this low existence because they only thought they got to get on. This is the Christian church right now. We only thought we got out of hell. We don't realize what was fully given to us in the reality of getting Jesus, right? Scripture says in Colossians, it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of the gospel is you didn't get 50% Jesus, and when you get more mature, you get more of him. At the moment that you believed, you did the hard work of the kingdom. You know what the hard work of the kingdom is? Somebody came to Jesus and said, 
What are the works of the Father? And he said, to believe on the Son in whom he sent. That's the hard, hard work. What happens when you believe in Jesus, when you receive him as your Lord and Savior? You get the full kingdom of heaven with inside of you. More than that, you get the king of heaven. He comes. That's the great exchange. He who knew no sin became sinful flesh that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. Christ in you. I feel like we have all these Christian sayings. We could all quote this, but do we ever stop and marvel at it? Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought, dang, Christ is looking good in there? <laughs> no, because you only look at who you think you are, not who he's made you to be. <laughs> Come on. Because you're looking at the old dead man. You're not looking at the new risen Jesus inside of you. Right? You, you right now, your earthly reality is that Christ has taken up residence inside of you. And if you're in this room right now, you're in one of two camps. Either Jesus has come and, and taken up residence inside of you or he's about to. He wants to. He longs to. This is the price he paid. Is to make a home inside of you. But as Christians, we walk around living like, man, we just got out of hell and the best we can hope for is to just not get back into hell, right? But he's put his treasure, the full treasure of heaven inside of you. What's inside of Jesus? Do you guys know what's inside of Jesus? When well, Colossians, it says the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of the deity, the fullness of all creation, the fullness of the heavenlies and the fullness of the earth realm is fully put inside of Christ, and Christ has been put inside of you. How? By faith. <laughs> By grace, through faith. But it doesn't even stop there. Right? So a lot of us as Christians, we live in this place of believing that, like, well, when I get older, I'll get more of God. And a lot of places I go to, I ask them, how do you get more of God? We sing about it all the time. Getting more of God. And there's a place for that. But you're not asking for more of something you don't have. You're asking for more of an experience of what you've already been given. That's a big difference. How many of you know Jesus? He's fully in this room right now. But you might not be experiencing him. And when he's saying, I want more of you, we're not saying, I want more of something I lack. We're wanting the experience of what we've got. But most Christians live in a place of going, I lack. And now I've got to earn my way in. Now, how do you think Christians believe they get more of God? Well, if I read my Bible, does that get you more of God? No, it doesn't. That's self-righteousness. That's works. No one gets in by works. I've got good news for you. Every one of you, if you've received Jesus, you've won the lottery. Of all lotteries, you've got the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. You've got the fullness of the king. But it doesn't even stop there. It says that now we are seated with Christ where? At the right hand of the Father. In all power. We're seated in heavenly places. So your earthly reality is Christ is inside of you right now. Whoa. But you've had the enemy coming up on you saying, oh, you're not in. Oh, you messed up. Oh, his love isn't for you. Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, and he uses what we've done. That's called self-righteousness. 
to determine how much we think we get of God. I've got good news for you. There's nothing you could have done ever that got you anything from God. That's why he came. Because what he did is good enough to give you all of him. What if this isn't about getting more of God, but enjoying all that we've been given in God? That's a different place, isn't it? Religion sets you up on a hamster wheel that gets you to try, try harder. I used to run around preaching, trying to get people to love God more. That's a good thing to do, right? Love them more. Love them with all your heart, soul, mind. I'm probably going to offend somebody. What's the greatest of the commandments? Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor of yourself. How many of you know that's the greatest of the old covenant? But it's not the greatest commandment anymore. Jesus said to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you. How many of you know the new is better than the old? What's the new commandment I give to you? Love each other as what? I, has, I have loved you. Love each other. What's the prerequisite of me loving you? So i got to realize how he's loved me. How has he loved me? He loved me while I was yet enemies of his, while I was a sinner, sick in my sin. He laid his life down for me as a friend. He paid it all. He died my death. He died as my sin, as the one who did the sin. How has he loved you this morning? <laughs> How has he loved you? A new commandment I give to you. Love each other as I have loved you. Do you know you're loved this morning? How do you think the Father feels about you right now? Listen, I'm going to give you a test. If you think, I'll give you the answer first. If you think that God loves you differently than he loves Jesus, you're believing a lie based on your own self-righteousness because you and him are no longer separate. God is not approaching you based off what you've done, but what his son has done. If you think the heart of God is differently towards you than he is towards Jesus, you've bought a lie somewhere. And this is what he gives us. He gives us a great, a great tool. It's called repent. And a lot of us think the word repent means to feel bad for sin and not do it anymore. That might have part of it, but the real word repent is meant Noah, and it means to change the way you think. Jesus showed up and said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Think differently. He pointed at himself and said, think like me, because he is our new reality. You have been so plugged into Jesus, and the love of the Father is so aimed at you right now, not because of anything you've done good, but in spite of everything we've done, period. And the enemy's been working so hard to rob you from the love of God. To tell you you're not enough. You didn't pray enough this morning. He's got an answer for that. He's going to overwhelm you with his love and you won't stop praying. I used to try, like I said, to get people to love God harder. What I realized in myself is it left me broken and empty and exhausted and wondering if God was even good. Because I've tried really hard. 
And one day I encountered Jesus in a different way when I was reading about Peter. Now Peter, remember Peter was super passionate for Jesus. And people would always say, you're like Peter. And I was like, yeah, I probably am. I'm stubborn. <laughs> and uh, right before Jesus gets crucified, he turns to the disciples and says, you all are going to leave me. And Peter says, what? I'll never leave you. I'll never deny you, Jesus. I'll never. He was all in. I'm all in with you, Jesus. I'm all for you, Jesus. I will never leave you. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before this night's up. Before the rooster crows. Never. I'll never do it. Right? Because Peter thought he was in good with Jesus because of how much he loved Jesus. He didn't realize Jesus is in good with Peter because of how much Jesus loves Peter. And when you're running on your love for God... You will always burn out. You are like a candle who's burning on its own substance. We're supposed to be like lamps. What does a lamp burn on? Oil. What's that oil? That's the love of God. The love of God for you is the oil of the flame right there. Not your love for him. Your love will fail. Right? So Jesus, we all know the story. Jesus gets crucified Peter denies him in the process. He raises again. Peter goes out fishing one day after the resurrection. And he's fishing because he's going back to his old way of life. And he sees somebody on shore and the rest of the disciples are like, Hey, it's Jesus. He's calling out to us. Now Peter was just fishing all night and didn't catch anything. And here's Jesus on shore by a fire with fish ready for them to eat. And he calls out, Come in. <laughs> And they say, it's Jesus. And Peter does something really funny in this story. He stands up and he puts on his outer coat and he jumps in the water. You ever catch that detail in the Bible? Is that what you would do? Put on your coat and jump in the water? It's kind of opposite of what you'd do if you're going to swim to shore. Right? When's the last time Peter, Jesus called to Peter over the water? What happened? He walked on water. This is my suspicion. I won't write it down as gospel, but this is my suspicion. I think when Peter saw Jesus in his guilt and shame, he wanted to show Jesus he's still all in. So he puts his coat on, and he hops over the boat, and he sinks. And it's very specific. They both get to shore. The boat and him get to shore at like the same time. <laughs> but now Peter is exhausted, soaking wet, didn't catch any fish, He's hungry, and now he's standing on shore in front of Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, do you love me? Right? Peter's sitting at the fire with him, eating the fish that Jesus has provided. He tried to get his own, failed. Jesus provides what he needs. It's beautiful. And he looks at him and says, Peter, do you love me? And in the Greek, that word love means agape. That's agape love, which means all-consuming God love. Because what was Peter's declaration before the cross? I'm all in with you, Jesus. I'll die for you, Jesus. Takes off running. <laughs> was he really all in? Nope. And Jesus looks at him. And, well, Peter answers, Lord, I phileo you. In the Greek, that means I brotherly love you. I'm not all in with you. I'm not God love with you. I'm really here. I'm phileo with you. And this is where, what happens. Jesus says, Peter, feed my sheep. 
Who did Jesus just die for? What's the treasure of his heart? At Peter's confession of, I'm not all in with you, Jesus gave him his greatest treasure. (laughs) Because when you're not all in with him, he's still all in with you. And as far as the curse is found, as far as our failures go, as far as Peter's failure went, so Jesus steps in further and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, I phileo you. Take care of my lambs. It even gets more intimate as Jesus is washing his love over Peter's failure. And then Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you phileo me? And this is where Peter breaks and he goes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. Because God's not impressed with what we say, but where we're really at. He doesn't want to lay his love on your best place. I don't know if you've noticed this in the Gospels. He's not really fascinated with our goodness. (laughs) But he comes to lay his love where we don't deserve it. He comes to wash our dirty feet. The king of heaven, the king of glory, comes to lay his love over our dirty feet. Not over our confession, I'll never leave you, but to lay his love over, I'm kind of in with you. Well, I'm all in with you, Peter. Feed my lambs. See, I think this is the moment where Peter learned the love of Jesus for him. See, up until this message, he ran from the cross. What we know about Peter's life through church history is that There was a time where he was crucified for Jesus and as he stood before Nero, he said, I am unworthy to die in the same way as my Lord. They said, we're going to crucify you. You love Jesus so much, we're going to crucify you. He said, I am unworthy to be crucified like him. Crucify me upside down. Something changed. His love made him run away, but the love of Jesus made him run to it. And I want to give you good news this morning. Maybe you have failed 10 billion times in this room. And you feel like, man, I just can't do it. You can't. You never could. That's why he came. He loves you. Somebody was talking. You were talking about uh, Zacchaeus. Man, am I going way over? I don't see a clock in here. We're in dangerous time. I'm used to teaching three hours at a time. Oh, we're only an hour in. We're good. We're good. Two more. You ready? Even the story of Zacchaeus, when Jesus was walking through the city, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and we all know the song. Well, maybe we don't. My generation knew the song, but I don't think anybody knows the song anymore. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Wait a minute, let's stop right there. Was Zacchaeus a short guy that Jesus loved? Because if he is, I'm in, and some of you are just out. I'm like... I got the greater glory here because I'm shorter, right? Or is there something greater happening here that we don't understand? So it says that in Scripture that Zacchaeus was a man of low stature. Now, we Americans don't understand stature in society, so we automatically think he's short. But Eastern cultures, you live in a status-based society, and if you're of low stature, you're hated and you're separated. In fact... He was the chief tax collector of the area, wasn't he? How many of you know in the Gospels there's levels of bad guys like in video games? There's like lower level, that's your sinner, your drunks, 
upper levels, your tax collector, the worst guy you could be in the Gospels in the, in the Jewish day was the chief tax collector. He was the Omega Boss level bad guy. He was super rich. He worked for the Romans and would bribe at the point of the sword. He's Jewish, working for Romans who are taking taxes from people, and he'd come to you with a sword and say, give me more than what you owe, or we'll kill you and have you thrown in the jail or whatever. To his own people. So when he walks in a crowd, they aren't like, come on, buddy. <laughs> They're like, get the heck out of here. They would throw rocks at him. They would mock him. When he didn't have his Roman buddies, he was in trouble. So here comes the most holy, powerful teacher. Everybody's amazed at Jesus at this point. They're amazed that everywhere he goes, the sick are healed, the dead are raised, demons are cast out, lives are changed. There's a massive crowd around Jesus. And Jesus walks into this town, and this man named Zacchaeus, who's the most hated villain. Imagine in the I don't know anybody that lives here, honestly, a few people, but imagine the worst person with the worst reputation in, in this town in Livingston right now. This guy's even worse. It says he climbed up in a tree just to catch a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. Because he's so far from the crowd. And it says as Jesus was walking by, he turned and saw Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, come on down, I'm coming to your house today. Now in our culture we think, that's kind of rude to invite yourself to dinner, right? Like, <laughs> in a good southern home you don't do that, you have to be invited but in their culture, for Jesus to be a man of such high stature, to address somebody, anybody, he raises them up to his level. So what he just did was he took the worst guy, walked in the room, and picked him out of the crowd. Looked over the Pharisees, looked over the good people, saw the worst, people in the, worst person in the crowd and said, I'm hanging out with you today. Have you ever thought of Jesus like that in your life, in your worst moment? He said, I'm going to come hang out with you today. That's such a beautiful story because the man comes down out of the tree. And he comes up to Jesus and he says, if I've stolen anything, I'll give it back. Did Jesus require that? Boy, sometimes we in the church require that, don't we? For me to be good to you, you better start being good. Aren't you glad that's not what Jesus did to the earth? <laughs> Say, I'm not going to come down there until you're good enough. Maybe some of us think that's the way he is right now. But what did he do? He stepped out of heaven and entered into our lostness, into our worst. Man, how beautiful is he? There's no one like him. You can search all the other gods ever written about. You will never find anyone near the claims of Jesus. There's none like him. None. Nobody even dares think about how being this good. He's too good. <laughs> he's too good. And so the man says, he's not done. As they're going, Jesus is like, okay, cool. Give it half away. And then he turns and he goes, and, and if I've stolen anything, I'll repay it sevenfold. What's happening is repentance, right? That's called Repentance. What caused his repentance? The goodness, the kindness of the Lord. That's the face of Jesus. And you know what? The entire crowd around Jesus got offended. They said, this man hangs out with tax collectors? 
that's us guys. We're the crowd right there. <laughs> you mean he didn't show up and tell them how bad they were and that made them want to be good? You mean he showed up to a bad guy and was good to him while he was still bad and it caused him to want to be good? The kindness of the Lord actually leads to repentance? I love what John said. We're praying that Roe versus Wade gets overturned, but we're also praying that the people who have been through it. Listen, if you demonize even the doctors who commit it and the people who love it and are, are fighting for it, if you turn it into us versus them, you've missed the gospel altogether. Jesus didn't die on the cross as a victim of sin. He died on the cross as the one who perpetuated the sin, though he never did it. He died as the villain. He died for villains. He died for you as your villain, <laughs> as you were the villain. This isn't a victim story. Aren't you happy? Jesus didn't die for us that because we were victims of somebody else's sin. He died as we were the, vi we were the victimizer. And he took our place. We were the villain, and he took our place. And now we see people crying out for the blood of babies. You know what? There was a crowd once that cried out for his blood, the blood of the king of heaven, to be on them. They didn't know what they were doing. And the father looks at them and says, Father, Jesus looked at them and said, Father, forgive them. I don't, they don't know what they're doing. That's the heart of God towards them. But somebody has to step in. It's good to pray, but step in. What if we went and found them and loved them? That's what Jesus did for you. There's no us versus them in the kingdom. There's only children who have found out God's really good and children who haven't figured it out yet. And our job is to do the introduction. <laughs> it's a good job. Our job isn't to tell people to get forgiven. Our gospel message, Jesus told his disciples... And honestly, I've hardly ever heard anybody preach on this. Jesus commanded his disciples in John 20, 23, I think it is, 20, 23. Go forgive people's sins. And whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And whoever sins you don't forgive, their sin remains. Did you know you were supposed to go tell people you're forgiven? You're forgiven. I didn't ask to be forgiven. I know, that's the good news. He didn't wait for us to ask. <laughs> he didn't wait for us to ask, did he? He was crucified 2,000 years ago, but Scripture says that he was set to be crucified before the foundations of the world. That means before the problem showed up, the answer was given. <laughs> the problem of our separation was dealt with before the problem showed up. That means your sin tomorrow that you haven't done yet has already been forgiven in the blood of Jesus. And your job isn't to go beg him to forgive you again. It's to come back and realize you already are. That's communion 101 right there. We're not getting forgiveness when we come and take communion. We're remembering that we really are. We really are. The sin really has been removed. And no, you don't have to get sin out of your life to take communion it's coming to communion that makes you realize he took sin out of your life. Thank you, God. It's his love that washes you over and over and over again. And not that you'll become sinless, but you will begin to sin less as you take your eyes off of you and what you've done and put it on to Jesus and what he's done. Beholding with unveiled face the glory of the Lord as a man looks into the mirror, we're transformed into his image from what? Glory to glory. How do you look more like Jesus? You look at Jesus.
How do you not look more like Jesus? Keep looking at yourself and trying to make yourself better. I don't look at a bad answer to get the good one. <laughs> I look at the right answer and it transforms me. Come on. So I told one boat story. I'm going to finish with another boat story. There was a man named John Harper. He got a ticket to get on the, a cruise boat. It was a great cruise boat from England to the United States. John Harper was an evangelist. Actually kind of a world-renowned evangelist. And a man in the United States was inviting him over to come preach at his church. D.L. Moody was the man inviting him. This is a big name preacher back in the day. The man buys a ticket and he has his daughter and his uh, sister with him. And they get on this great boat. This is an unsinkable boat. In fact, they bragged that this boat, not even God could sink. And as they're going, you guys know the story. This is the Titanic. It hits the iceberg and begins to sink. And the man realizes people were about to die. This is his mission field. And he immediately gets his daughter onto a boat. And they say, come on, you can get on too because your child is here. And he said, no, I'm here to preach the gospel. And he turns to a man immediately. He has a life jacket and the man doesn't have a life jacket. And he says, is your soul saved? Is your soul saved? And the guy says, no, and I don't want to know your Jesus. And he takes off his life jacket and gives it to him and says, you need this more than I do. And he turns to the next person, and the boat's going into the water, and he's running around crying out, is your soul saved? Is your soul saved? You see, the boat was going along partying just fine. Everybody thinking nothing would go wrong. Do you see a correlation to today? And now the boat is sinking People are getting afraid. There's a lot of stuff happening, but the church has to rise up and preach. There's one question that matters, one, and that's it. We've talked about Jesus the healer. Now learn him as Jesus the savior. This has to come out of the church. He gets in the water as the boat's sinking, and he's swimming around crying out, Is your soul saved? There was a man in the water that could hear him from a long ways away. And the current would drag the man past. And he said, is your soul saved? And that man said, no, and I don't want to hear it. And he could hear him drift away. And then the current brought the man back. And he comes back around and he can tell the man's getting weaker. But he's still swimming. Is your soul saved? And people were answering, how do I get saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You don't get saved by going to church. You don't get saved because your Grammy prayed for you when you were younger. You don't get saved because your dad was a preacher. You don't get saved because you prayed. You get saved because you believe on Jesus as the Lord. That's it. That's it. Well, the current brought this guy back in front of the other guy. And he heard him again. The man looked at him and said, is your soul saved? And he said, no, how do I get saved? Because the man was literally dangling over hell. Death is like seconds away from this guy. Is your soul saved? He said, how do I get saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. As he said those words, he sank under the water and died. But the man that heard it gave his life to the Lord. And minutes later, a boat came up and pulled him out of the water. 
10 years later, they were at a Titanic reunion, and that man gets up and tells the story. I was an atheist. I was in the water. This man came past me twice, and I gave my life to Jesus. And he preaches the gospel to the rest of the crowd. That man had become an evangelist too, changing lives. I got one question for you this morning. Is your soul saved? He's good. He loves you. He's paid for your sin already. It's done. It is finished. But if you can't answer that question with a wholehearted, yeah. I got good news for you. It's available to you this morning. Today is the day of salvation. Today. Now listen, hear me. Maybe you're unsure. We're going to seal that today. <laughs> but maybe you're sitting here going, wait a minute. This is what our day is like. I got to preach the gospel. You know the preacher is not the only one that's supposed to preach the gospel, right? Jesus didn't say, just you preach. Everybody else stay in the room and pray. Every disciple he ever had, he commissioned out to go preach the gospel. Pray as you go, that's fine. But God wants to touch our hearts this morning for the broken who don't know him. And to see with eternal eyes that this life is coming to an end. And their soul's hanging in the balance. And he's put it on you to make a difference. We get to participate with him in the end time harvest. Don't let fear rob you of your voice anymore. It doesn't have to be a great sermon. There was a man who had a multitude of demons. I know what you're thinking. This guy doesn't shut up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Giving one, one more verse. There's a man with a multitude of demons. Real quickly, Jesus gets off a boat. This demonized man who has 2,000 plus demons in him comes up, falls at his feet in front of Jesus. It was a great fight. <laughs> Everybody thought it was going to be the battle of the ages. The demons come and fall at his feet and worship him, it says. And they say, what do you have to do with us? And Jesus kicks out the demons. Just like that. And the man says, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, no, go back to your hometown and just tell everybody what I did for you. And then the town came out and kicked Jesus out of that area. But you know what? In the details, Jesus comes back to that area. And everybody comes out to hear him the next time. What happened? There was a demonized man who encountered Jesus and just went and said, I don't know anything about theology, but I met a guy named Jesus. You need to come see him. Maybe that's you in the room. You're like, I don't even know a Bible verse, but Jesus changed your life. You know what? The rest of the world, that's all that matters. They don't need to hear your theology. They just need to know, did it work? Is your life changed? Yeah, he'll take care of the rest. All right, so everybody close your eyes. We're just going to end. We want to we honor the Lord right now. If if you are unsure of where you stand with the Lord right now, you don't know if you were to die right now, if you would wake up in heaven. And you want to make that sure, I want to tell you, believing on Jesus as Lord is the only way. If you'd like to do that right now, I want you to just raise your hand, all right? And we'll just make it sure. Come on. Come on. He loves you.
He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you. Everybody just repeat after me right now. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe on you with my whole heart. Thank you for giving me thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I give my life to you this day. Forever. Amen. Now, for the rest and for those who just became born again, I pray right now in Jesus name the fire of the love of God would inflame your hearts. That fear would be broken off your lives. And the gospel would come forth out of this church with fire and power and the love of God. It would drive us to the darkest places. It would drive us to our neighbor's house. It would drive us in, in, the, in the grocery line to just step out and share your love. God. Father, I ask for an infilling of Holy Spirit for the preaching of the gospel out of this house. In Jesus' mighty name, bless this place. Bless them and amen.